0: Good afternoon and welcome back to the Peer Support Podcast. Today we'll be joined by Deputy Superintendent Jackie Powell, um, who oversees dispatch operations here at Boston EMS. All right, Jackie, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast. And uh, we know your time is valuable, so we'll make it uh, quick or as quick as we can for you. Um, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. We have some, just some topics and messaging that we, we want to address, and we're starting with dispatch operations and how it's changed. What precautions are you taking to protect your membership, uh, your telecommunicators up in the turret, um, that although uh, not currently in the field, a lot of our members are cross-trained and able to work in the field. So how are you addressing the concerns amongst your membership in the turret?
1: Um- Well, we took some uh, precautionary moves. We got on board with the Boston police ahead of time and uh, they've been very, very great uh, collaborating with us. So we made the decision to lock down the fourth floor to not allow, um, you know, civilians up there and only necessary vendors. Um, We also asked them to expand that onto the whole building, which they eventually did. We are also doing the health screenings as people walk in the door. They're doing the temperature and the questions like all the satellites are. Um, I got on board with the Boston police. They have a pretty significant cleaning protocol um, where they wipe down all the surfaces um, every shift, sometimes twice a shift. And they were very willing to um, add us into that because EMS is, you know, I use the word guest. We're a guest in that building. But they are more than willing to assist us and give us their cleaning personnel to uh, do the deep clean in our, the turret um, on every shift, as well as the people who work in the turret. There's plenty of stuff up there. They're all cleaning down their positions. They don't go from one position to another until they wipe it down. They also are wearing the masks. Um, we're uh, we're trying to keep their safety as the number
0: one issue. So dispatch operations is wearing uh, patient care masks the whole shift?
1: They are, they are. It's uh, it's pretty frustrating because obviously their job is to talk on every single position, and because of this, uh, the COVID, their talking has probably doubled, if not tripled. Right. So it's kind of hard to, you know, talk with those
0: masks on. But they're uh, they're doing it. they they're trying to do their best. So deputy, if you could give us the lay of the land, believe it or not, there are members of this service who have never stepped foot in that building. Um, what does it look like up there?
1: Uh, well, yeah, um, you come in the room and there's, there's actually four different positions. You have CMED, uh, um, which, uh, as you walk in the room, if... Uh, is off to your to your uh, left you have call taking positions which run along the wall and then to the far left corner you have the dispatch pod which is four different dispatch positions and on the left side of the wall is a elevated platform where the supervisors and if we're lucky
0: enough to have clerks
1: uh, where the clerks sit okay
0: what does your current shifts uh, look like manning staffing
1: uh it's it goes on uh, days and days and evenings we we have a minimum of six uh we have a floor person that comes in at eleven thirty in the morning till seven thirty at night and on the overnight it goes down to five that's the floor we are currently trying to maintain two lieutenants up there all the time um uh, and and clerks if they're available
0: okay so i think the world as we know it and particularly uh our operation is not business as usual. How has the turret changed um, to address the COVID nineteen pandemic?
1: Uh, our, well, EMD is the key here. Our EMD protocol is is uh, is constantly changing. We, we we hammer hard on every caller that comes in there about COVID, if they've been exposed, if they've been you know told to quarantine, what type of symptoms they have. Um, my call takers are dealing with a lot of frustration from callers because you know they're getting you know you asking a lot of questions and but. Our call takers have our our fellow, you know, our field people on their mind, as well as the caller. But we want to make sure that we're able to try to narrow down or hammer down the fact whether or not we have to don appropriate PPE for our fellow EMT and paramedic safety. Um, so the it has expanded our time significantly with each caller because we are you know asking these questions and you know some of these call you have a, a, a trend some callers yes you to death yes i got a cough yes 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 and so our callers are making sure they're not yes us to death when did it start what type of cough it is um and then you have uh, you know you have some other people that are hesitant to admit to covid type symptoms so you know you try to get a feel for that caller to make sure that they're not uh, omitting any information. So, so all this takes significant amount of time, but safety being the issue, our call takers are uh, trying to hammer it down. We've also added to the, you know, if at all possible to that if the callers are healthy enough and if they fall into a, a healthy enough type criteria to try to ask them to, you know, wash their hands, don a mask if they have it and meet the callers outside. Uh, I'm, correction, meet the ambulance outside. So that we're not overly exposing our EMTs to apartment buildings that might be, you know, that, that, might, that might be uh, overly run with the COVID. So we are trying to get the, the patients to meet us outside when appropriate. I mean, sometimes they just can't do it.
0: Sure. Now you, 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 you definitely talked and touched on the frustrations that the telecommunicators are um, facing, whether it be untruthfulness or a lack of reporting. Uh, or being yes to death. What is the burden like as a, as a telecommunicator yourself? Um, what is the responsibility? What are the operators feeling when they're making the decision whether to add the appropriate comments of, you know, don the appropriate PPE or triage it down to a normal call? What does that feel like? What's the, what is the, the take of the operators on that?
1: It's an uncomfortable feeling because, you know, the good thing about Boston is we actually have EMTs that are answering the phone. And I always, even when I was a lieutenant and whatnot, and the call takers would ask me questions, I'd be like, go with your gut. What is your gut saying as an EMT? So a lot of times you just, you know, the EMD guide cards are great to have, the COVID response, but you got to go with your gut sometimes and, you know, safety first type of attack. I mean, it's so you know on the side we're not of looking at these people. We can't, you know, and we're and we're more restricted by the guide cards and what we're able to say. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more freedom out in the field. What you say to patients, and you know, you got the option of looking at them. Do they look sick? I mean, half the battle is is an EMT is to recognize somebody's sick. So we have to recognize if somebody's sick based solely on their answers. Sure, that's that's a hard burden.
0: Right. So call taking is clearly a point of frustration. And I know that our telecommunicators are not um, this is not a new phenomenon for them, Um, but it certainly enhanced the responsibility. And it really not only enhanced the responsibility, but it's really put a burden on them to we really must protect the crews. And do they take it personal when they get it wrong?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You will hear the, you know, you'll hear the the call takers will keep an eye on their calls, you know, Uh, you know, they'll click on the call and all of a sudden if the dispatchers hit the, uh, the don't appropriate PP and they'll be like, what? I asked them, I asked them five times, you know, they do take it personally, um, you know, and, and the, the, it's it's frustrating for them because they did hammer the caller. They did ask the appropriate questions. They did try to get it out of them. So when they do miss it, it it, it frustrates them. But, again, they can only go on the information they're given.
0: Sure. And we talked about kind of in the lay of the land up there. We mentioned CMED and I don't want to just kind of brush over that. That is a full-time position in dispatch operations.
1: Yeah, I think CMED is misunderstood in the department, uh, a lot of the department. CMED is, is, uh, it's, it's a region of the state. We are region four. And what CMED does is it oversees 61 cities and towns so that other cities and towns who ambulances need to do entry notes or medical consults or MCIs or whatnot, um, pretty much the 61 cities and towns are within the 495 belt. So we have to answer to those 61 cities and towns who also have upped their game on the COVID. All these other hospitals are looking for entry notes from all from all these other EMS systems on COVID positive or potential COVID patients. So CMED has become a very, 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 very busy position because every hospital wants a notification. Right.
0: So historically, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Particularly in the city of Boston, CME was utilized for priority one entry notes. So patients that are acutely ill that require immediate treatment. How has that changed?
1: Uh, well, because well, you're absolutely right. Back in the day, the city of Boston and some of your biggest cities really uh, they rarely did priority two or three entry notifications. Because of this COVID, we've obvious that we've we've enhanced it that all the hospitals need to be advised. So. It's upped the amount of, uh, responses to CMED exponentially, the, the, the people hailing CMED. It's uh, So sometimes it gets frustrating when, you know, the CMED operator's over there and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to weed out priority traffic as well. So, you know, you have these units come up and they're, and they're hailing CMED. So CMED's trying to say what's the priority of your traffic because obviously a COVID net notification, although important, would obviously take a backseat to say a cardiac arrest call sure. or a priority one type response. So a lot of times CMED has to tell these other units to stand down. They have to handle Answer, answer priority traffic, or while they're doing this patch and hailing the hospital and doing what they do, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're hearing, is anybody sitting at CMED, or CMED, are you there? They're there, trust me, they're just they're busy, they're, they're trying to get to everybody, but they too, like everything in EMS,
0: have to answer to the priority. So I think it's important to really point out that you said CMED op- operator, which is singular. Right.
1: Yeah, there's only one team and Operator. Uh, it's getting to the point where we, you know, uh, I think, the, you know, the, we might have to up that or come up with. I'm hoping that, we, you know, we'll make some adjustments that maybe these hospitals will realize we, we get to the or evolve to the point where they don't have to be notified about every COVID patient, no matter what their priority. Um, I think that we, that, that will need to be reevaluated. Sure.
0: Okay. So, Deputy, acknowledging that um, business as usual is a thing of the, the of last month currently, um, have we taken, have you taken, and uh, Captain Barnes taken, any initiatives on innovations or changes of how we're um, processing these calls or how we plan on processing these calls in the future? And if you kind of just give us a two-week, a two-week look, I know that um, you're in contact with other major cities that are currently at the peak of this pandemic. What are you hearing? Where do you see us and what are we going to do to address it?
1: Um, I, I think, you know, I, I love to learn from others. And like you said, I've reached out to um, several other P.S.A.P.s that are pretty much drowning. New York. I've talked to New Orleans. I've talked to California. I've talked to Philadelphia. I've talked to a lot of other P.S.A.P.s that are that are getting hit really hard right now. Um, New York. Uh, one of their biggest things is obviously a two, three, four-hour call back, uh, uh, pending list, and their way of processing calls are, are um, a lot different from Boston. The, the New York call takers' hands are a lot more tied than the EMTs up in the turret. So in New York, the only thing that they can say to, to people is uh, the next available unit will be sent. Well, here in Boston, we're honest with people. We're saying, even prior to COVID, but you, especially now, just so you know, the city's very, very busy. We're going to try to get to everybody. Um, you know, uh, if anything changes, call 911. I'm back, and we'll retry- tr- help you and retriarch Call. So, one of the innovations that um, as this surge comes our way, I'm working with state 911 because a lot of the stuff I just can't um, make happen. Uh, you know, I, I'm bound by state laws and whatnot. So, I'm talking to the state about uh, having a specific callback position to assist the dispatcher and the pending list. Okay. So, currently, even prior to COVID, if a call pended 20, 30 minutes, somebody would call it back. Be it the lieutenant or a call taker and say, hey, we haven't forgot yet. We're very busy. We re-triage the call. We assure them, uh, you know, that we're trying to get to them. Sometimes they say, hey, I- I'm feeling better. I'm going to go on my own, you know, um, which helps because then we're not dealing with sending a unit and not getting any answer at the door.
0: So We're not going to stale calls.
1: We're not going to stale calls. So, uh, but the problem with that, that that takes resources, and especially sure. if we're if we're drowning in calls, I'm hoping to have, like I said, a specific position where what they do is they call back these pending calls, retriage and blah blah blah, and when they call us back. Currently, when they call 911 back, they have to go to the Boston Police Civilians, who then transfers it over to us. And it could be any first available operator. Having this callback position will specifically send that call to that position, and they're the ones that. Um, you know when we call them out and leave the voicemail, we're going to say, "Hey, call this specific number back, not nine one one so that you get the specific callback operator sure. who can retriage it and and you know do the appropriate changes to it, cancel it, update it, up, uh, upgrade it, downgrade it, whatever. whatever we need to do, that particular callback person. so that that's I'm in the middle of working with that in the state and you know, and uh, I'm hoping to get that moving sooner than later. Okay. Um, I know I'm rambling, but i got a lot of ideas. Uh, we've also in, uh, put in more, um, for the call taker, we've put in more uh, easy access buttons. Like we have a button that says Dawn Appropriate PPE, so that as they hammer in these people trying to find out if they fall in and out of the protocol, they can just hit the button, which automatically launches the Dawn Appropriate PPE, and it highlights it. The other button we've installed is uh, we'll meet caller downstairs. So as we're requesting that the patients that it's appropriate for them to meet, we can hit that button that says uh, advise to meet downstairs, and that's also highlighted. And we do that for the crews out in the street, so that when they're looking at these calls on their MDT, they do see we you know we've asked that question because I think there's this misconception that that question's not being asked, uh, and by the call takers, and it really is because. The call takers really understand um, if the person can meet them downstairs, that that's a definite asset to our EMTs.
0: Right. And that's uh, certainly We also have a telehealth.
1: Again, I apologize, but we also have telehealth that um, we're doing a big push on. Um, the office is really big on it. We're big on it. We're working with all the different people that we need to, you know, the technical people. Um, but where that'll be a big help that we can refer some people that obviously don't need an ambulance, but are looking to seek some sort of medical guidance that we would be able to just transfer these to the telehealth person. And uh, you know, the telehealth can give them medical advice hence saving our units,
0: an additional response. Sure. And just to, just to clarify, you mentioned about um, potential wait times as we see this pandemic peak and we're gonna be calling back and retriaging. Historically, um, when 911 calls uh, a phone back, it comes up as a blocked number. Have we been able to address um, people that don't accept blocked numbers or the inability for them to call that number back?
1: Actually, we have. Um, you know, the, the problem, like you said, that's a problem on the next gen system. So sometimes people have to use one of our department admin phones and do the star nine zero, and then it just comes up with a, a generic number. Uh, I've been working with state 911 that we are going to be having specific numbers that when we dial out on the next gen system, it will show up with a 10 digit number. Um, I'm asking them hopefully to make it a 617 because a 617 area code has been historically a Boston uh, t- uh, area code. I did ask them if we can make it City of Boston 911 or, you know, COB 911, but the problem is wireless carriers. They won't accept that. That shows that, to them that would be a BAM call. Okay. So it wouldn't even go through, Never mind, be blocked. Okay. So, um, but we'll specify that the call taker will, the EMT making the call back will say, look for this number. I'll call me back at this specific number and you'll come right into my position. We haven't worked on the exact verbiage, but we will make people aware that the, the phone number is related to 911 and then it's for callback
0: purposes. So deputy on, on behalf of um, dispatch operations personnel, Um, which are EMTs and paramedics um, for the city of Boston, how can we help bridge the gap between our units in the field and our units in dispatch operations? Can you just kind of give us a brief um, overview of the frustrations you're facing and how we can help our uh, telecommunicators more effectively do their job?
1: Uh, misconceptions, I think is the biggest thing, you know, um, uh, some of our EMTs, they work out in the field and then they come up to the turret and they're, and they're frustrated as heck because, uh, they're like, you know, people out there actually don't think that we're asking these COVID questions or they don't think that we're asking them to, you know, meet us downstairs. And, um, I, I would like the misconceptions to stop. We're all on the same team. We, I, I, you know, Our priority is who shows up for work, goes home for work, you know, my EMTs are up there. They are part of the team. They do have your back. Um, you know, they're under a lot more scrutiny, and and they're stepping up to the plate. They're making it happen. We are checking to make sure these questions are being asked. They are. They're going above and beyond. These callers who are calling our EMTs are aggravated, frustrated. You know, they, they, they hate answering these questions. But our EMTs are stepping above it. They're asking these questions. They're trying to explain to why they're asking these questions for the safety of their co-workers so the misconceptions are, are, are they really they hurt people's feelings because they are up there they're wearing the same uniform they they are worried about everybody and they're trying to do the right thing every single call
0: right and i, I can i can also understand the frustration from the public's point of view um you know if you're calling for your crisis that has nothing to do um with the current pandemic it could certainly be frustrating if you're calling because your mom is on the floor not breathing and you're at being asked, in, asked questions that you feel are not relevant to why you're calling. And how do our operators kind of address that? Um, do they have a set script or do they kind of inform the caller? You know, this is why I'm asking these questions. I understand that this feels trivial to you right now.
1: They do have a script available to them due to the current COVID, you know, but every caller is different and we treat, you know, and depending on, you know, how the conversation is going, they'll adapt uh, that script to explain to people. They, uh, They still do the triage, they still do the treatment because, you know... I always say when I do tours up in the turret, the difference between us and a lot of other cities and towns is that when you call 911, you get hooked up to the ambulance, you get your own personal EMT, and we start the treatment process right away. So we adjust the script, not so much, but enough that the person understands it. You have to adjust
0: it to to people to comprehend it. So we allow our EMTs and paramedics in the turret to act as EMTs and paramedics under guidance, of course, but there are times where they have to bring the, the real um, side of them into these calls. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that goes without, you know, like I said, with the, you know,
1: you can see, just like when you're out in the street and you walk into a house, you know, you adjust your tact, you adjust your approach. Our call takers and, and you know, the EMTs and paramedics up there, they do the same thing. They adjust their tact, they uh, they adjust their approach. Some people need a stronger hand, some people need a softer hand, some people, uh, you know, we, we adjust it and, and do what we have to do.
0: Perfect. Well, I just I want to take just a few minutes here at the end. Um, you know it's it's always important for um, those of us to hear from the leadership, but also, do you have anything to say directly to your telecommunicators that are kind of adjusting everything that they've known um, for some of them years? Um, just a final message for um, the telecommunicators.
1: you know. I'm one of them, bottom line. That's, that's always been one of my, my proudest things is that I understand what they're going through. I go through it with them. I'm trying to make things that make their life a lot easier um, in order to make it easier. You know, it has a trickled out dairy from the fourth floor. Um, I believe in them. They're doing amazing work. I know the road ahead of us is strictly uphill. I'm trying to, you know, um, make some changes, you know, to try to make it easier for them i know what you're going through i'm listening if they have any i always say i have an open door policy and i always have (laughs) plenty of candy so swing in talk to me give me some ideas uh people do that um and as the situation evolves just keep doing it i'm not up there currently for uh, you know issues but my phones i have many phones are always on so on captain bonds he's up there helping out as well and he's coming up with some great ideas. So uh, we're in it as a team. We're going to stay together as a team. And uh, we're, we're going to come out at the other the other side of this.
0: Okay. Where do you see us at the end of this? This is going to end. And what do you think we will have learned from this?
1: Lessons learned. Um, how to adjust on the fly. Um, I think it's going to teach us to think more globally as well um you know some of these ideas that we're putting together and talking to other peace apps you know uh, my whole the whole callback idea that i had uh i have other peace apps enacting that uh learning from other so i think it's going to teach us to be a lot more globally in the peace app world other than you know state nine one one for massachusetts i think we're going to learn from other states and other issues i think um you know uh, to I think we're going to be able to pat ourselves on the back because, I mean, we're going to be surviving a pandemic and doing the right thing by every 911, by every caller who calls 911, and we're going to be able to walk out of this with our head held high saying, we gave it our all and we did it, we come out of it.
0: Thank you very much. So this is Deputy Powell, um, Dispatch Operations Commander at Boston EMS.